Blog Talk Radio. Files here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. We got Dr. Larry Fedora, Dr. George, uh, Mr. George Landry. Yeah, sorry, I didn't want to. Uh, I mean, George, you're, you're so damn smart. You look like a professor. Yeah, well, yeah. I was going to say I, I've got a Juris Doctorate, but uh, and I've taught constitutional law, but I don't think I've uh, acquired the yeah. title Doctor. Yeah. Well, I am Tom Donaldson. I am the chairman of America's PAC. Well, I'm also the project director or senior fellow at America's Majority Foundation, and recently I'm now a senior fellow with uh, Frontier Freedom. Uh, Dr. George, I mean, Mr. George Landreth, GD, uh, is a the president of Frontier Freedom, among other things, and also joining the Frontier Freedom as a senior fellow is the wonderful, great, and brilliant Dr. Larry Federa. <laughs> Glorious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Also, you you are a senior fellow as well. So that's right. That, that's exactly. So, well, here's things. Tonight we're going to get into you know, a wide range of issues here, and uh, I wanted to kind of start off with the Fourth of July, uh, and and I wanted to kind of you know and I and, and I guess the question first of all, how was your Fourth of July? I'll start with you, George. Well, it was uh, a very enjoyable. I went to uh, a uh, pancake breakfast with my uh, sponsored by my church. I was kind of in charge of uh, a lot of the logistics. It was a lot of fun, and uh, and then we went down to the uh, to see the fireworks, and uh, they were pretty good. I was a little disappointed they were only about seventeen minutes, but that's a lot better than when Obama was president. They were twelve minutes one year. Um, yeah. But uh, but but a far cry from the forty plus minutes when uh, when Trump was president. And I kind of feel like um, our nation is important enough that we could probably spring for you know full forty minutes or at least thirty. Yeah. Not sure we have to cut it so short, but uh, but it was still good. I mean, I enjoy watching it. I just wish it had not been over so fast. Yeah. Uh, how about you? What uh, what's your thoughts? Uh, what did you do, Larry? And how well, which one did you have? And... <laughs> well, we had kind of a quiet uh, uh, fourth because uh, I'm still kind of uh, racked up a little bit uh, by or slowed down, shall we say, by my uh, my broken ankle, and uh, it uh, limits uh, my ability to get out and and do things. But uh, we still uh, had a lot of uh, neighborhood interest, uh, especially fireworks. Uh, and also, uh, we got a chance to watch some of the things on television, which is kind of unusual. The one thing I was very uh, interested in was the uh, crowd at the uh, uh, the big uh, festival they have on the mall every Fourth of July. And uh, it was uh, amazingly uh, uh, crowded, and it was yeah, all, yeah. you know, very traditional, very, uh, very friendly, and everybody was uh, happy, and there was no violence, and nobody was uh, mad at anybody, and they, uh, I, I wasn't very impressed with the talent, but uh, that is kind of a secondary uh, issue yeah. in, in this thing, so. That at least uh, turned out to be a very, uh, very uh, traditional, in spite of all the the problems that they've had all over the country in terms of uh, people being shot and you know various problems that they've had with uh, parades and so on. It, yeah. At least in Washington well, D.C., it was all very calm and traditional. 
Yeah, I was in the banks of the Potomac River, kind of directly across from where you could see the uh, pretty close the um, the Washington Monument, and uh, it was very kind of uh, just as Larry described. And when it was all over, uh, the group that I was with, we stood up and uh, sang the national anthem, and lots of other people around us joined in. So it uh, it was a, a traditionally patriotic and proud of their country crowd, which I thought was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And especially in these times, you know, we don't see very much of that. Usually when you see the the uh, uh, front of the Capitol uh, crowded with people, they're all, you know, they've all got signs and they're all, they're all somebody, yeah. they're all advocating something or fighting for something. And uh, this was all, you know, I think there were probably, what do you think, George, was something like uh, two, three hundred thousand people there. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, I was across the river. I was on the Virginia side, so I couldn't count how many people are obviously on the mall itself. Yeah. But it was wall-to-wall people where I was on the banks of the Potomac River in Virginia. Uh, there was a traffic jam. We parked in the parking lot at uh, the Pentagon, and it literally took us an hour and a half to get out of the parking lot because yeah. that's yeah. how crowded it was. It was um, – you know, it was a great, uh, great evening, but the parking lot was not as great as you know yeah. the rest. Of- but the thing, the thing it said to me was, you know, there's there's still a lot of good Americans left. I mean, there's a lot of people that are just ordinary, you know, folks that are yeah. they're not woke or they're not they're not mad at anybody or they're not trying to yeah. shoot people or they're not they're not yelling at people. There's just a lot of really good, solid American people, and and I think that, that that's where most of the country is. Uh, I, the, the, those people, the, the the fringe people that make all the noise, I don't think are the really re- representative of of, uh, of of Americans of the American population. I hope. <laughs> yeah. And I think you're right about that. I think that they get the headlines and they get all the the print media and. I don't mean to make it sound like they're only a, a you know, a one tenth of one percent. They're more than that, unfortunately, in terms of their discontent and hatred to, towards America. But they don't represent the average American. The average American loves their country, and uh, respects their history. And it was yesterday was a day of celebration, and I felt there's a lot of pent up demand. What I mean by that is we talk about that after a, a you know a recession. I think we had um, a period of time during the pandemic when everyone was locked up and you couldn't be with family, <coughs> excuse me, and friends. And so I think all of a sudden this year, I think people came out in much larger numbers than you might expect because they're like, you know, yikes, I'm tired of not being yeah. able to celebrate with my friends and family. So I, I thought it was a big day. And I think it's symbolic uh, because they had a similar – they had a similar experience in uh, New York. Um, uh, I showed they showed that on television for a little bit, um, and I think Philadelphia that it seemed like there was a lot of these um, peaceful and joyful um, celebrations of the uh, country's uh, birthday, which is really kind of kind of encouraging. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's a good point. I mean. It, I mean, like I say, we had, uh, you, know, you know, where we were at, uh, you know, again, I mean, like I say, we, you know, actually, interesting enough, the city, I mean, Marion, had their, you know, fireworks on the four, on the third. So we, you know, we went to, but like I say, you know, it, it, you know, we ended up, you know, stopping at a high school that was about, you know, maybe a, a half a mile from where the fireworks were going to be, and we were still able to see it. And then last night, again, we had neighbors who had fireworks, and literally from where I was, I could still literally, we saw literally fireworks everywhere from my house. So it was uh, kind of enjoyable, like you said. It's, and again, it just seemed like uh, everybody had a good time. Everybody was out there. You know, they put out their uh, you know chairs. They were having fun. You saw kids playing tag and a little football and a little frisbee. Uh, you know, parent, you know, fan, you know, adults talking to each other, and everybody kind of keeping an eye because 
There were some other uh, interesting, there were some, you know, fireworks started a little bit earlier from different locations that you could see. And, yeah, I, I was just kind of curious, that, you know, what the thing, because obviously the headline is going to be uh, Highland Park, uh, that, you know, massacre. And then, yeah. you know, and then over the weekend you had the uh, the police shooting Akron. at Akron, Ohio. Wow. So it's, you know, we'll have to. Akron is kind of, that's yeah. uh, middle America, really, even though it's, it's kind of in the east side. But Highland Park, Highland Park is a um, pretty nice neighborhood. Rather well, well to do uh, suburb yeah. of Chicago. So, <sighs> so yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's and we'll get you know we'll get into that discussion a little bit later here. Uh, but I'm just kind of curious, see, you know, what you guys observed and what you had, and and uh, and so did you have any family member come over, uh, Larry? Did not. We uh, we had a big celebration on uh, Father's Day, and that had to last us, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't do that too, too often, uh, yeah. three or four times a year. Maybe. Well, I was thinking with that farm of yours, you could really do a whole lot. Yeah, on your right. own. I mean, I mean yeah, you got, we got a lot of room. You got a lot of room to basically hire your own fireworks display. <laughs> so, and, well, my uh, next door neighbor took care of that. So okay, so you were able to see his. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and so now, George, did you have any of your families around? We, um, <clears throat> the the truth is, my. Um, we did the same thing on Father's Day. Had a, you know, we did a lot together on Father's yeah. Day. But um, most of my uh, kids are you know, out west right now, so they didn't dash home for this. But uh, but we, my my wife and I and some friends uh, got yeah. together, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. But I have to be honest, it would have been even more fun with all the kids there because I've got seven yeah. of them, and I can tell you that they are a pretty. Uh, I won't say wild like they misbehave. I just energetic, mean energetic, energetic, and they know how to have fun. <laughs> exactly, they know how to have fun, and they enjoy life, and um, and and the grandkids enjoy life. You know, they get you know they, yeah, you know, th- their eyes are filled with amazement. You know, when you're five years old and you see uh, these you know bombs bursting midair over the uh, Capitol and over the Washington Monument, the Lincoln Memorial, and the Jefferson Memorial. They've never seen that before, and so you can imagine their eyes are as big as saucers, and they're just, you know, wow, this is amazing. Yeah. And uh, I still feel a little that way, but I, my eyes probably don't get quite as big as saucers because I, I know it's coming. But well, actually, my, there my, is something my, nice about it. Yeah, uh, I, three yeah. Answer, I still get those big eyes when I see these fireworks because, uh, mm-hmm. like, you know, I just, I just am so marveled. I mean, I just enjoy them so much, and it's – Especially yeah. when you had the grand finale. Now, oh, years yeah. ago, and my wife and I were talking about this. Yeah, you know, in Fort Wayne, Indiana, when we were in Fort Wayne, they actually had music tied to it, the William Tell Overture. Oh, and wow. it's really dramatic yeah. when you get right to that yeah. song. Which and is you have the, already. Yeah, and you have the grand <laughs> finale. Yes. So dun, the grand dun, finale. Dun, dun, I guess the night. Yeah. Well, we have that experience, except that it's horses, not not children. Yeah, <laughs> the horses are looking, <laughs> and they're, they uh, they they can't talk, so they run, and uh, <laughs> they they get very excited, and they yeah. uh, get a real good workout when they see all that stuff and hear it all, and they can't yeah. have any idea where it's coming from or when it's going to stop. So they. Uh, yeah. And they don't we really always, understand what's going have on. To so. be careful, they don't hurt themselves. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that, yeah. I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, like I said, I mean, it, you know, again, like I say, our kids. I, mean, I got one in Nevada, one in uh, New York, in New York. So, um, I know they had their own little. Of course, I know. I think the one in Nevada did. I'm not sure what she did for Fourth of July. Uh, so. But we're going to take a quick break. This is Tom Donaldson, Donaldson Files, here on the Bastion News Radio Network. You can listen to the show every day on the bastionnews.airtime.pro at 11 a.m. and 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
Since Buffalo Wild Wings is always open late, here are a few things you'll enjoy. Buzzer beaters, wings in 21 signature sauces and seasonings, and great deals on food and beer. Grab select domestic draft beers starting at $4. $4 shareables like street tacos, fried pickles, chili queso dip, mozzarella sticks, and roasted garlic mushrooms, and deals on select liquor and house cocktails. Phew, that's a mouthful. Catch all of the late night action. Buffalo Wild Wings, wings, beer, sports. Offers and participation vary. Please drink responsibly. Void where prohibited. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, that's the Buffalo Wild Wings. And also, uh, you can buy my book, uh, America at the Abyss, Will America Survive, at uh, barnesandnoble.com, amazon.com, and libertyhillpublishingpress.com, which is associated with Salem Media. And don't forget also, uh, this segment will also be brought to you by Frontiers of Freedom, the think tank of Washington, D.C., started by the late uh, Senator Malcolm Wallop, and also is led by our own George Landreth. And, George, why don't you tell people how they can donate to the Frontiers of Freedom? Sure. Um, Our website is very simple, just FF, like Frontiers Freedom, ff.org. And uh, in the upper right-hand corner, there's a donate button, and they can make a secure and safe donation there. And we, of course, will use every penny they give to support uh, the values that we've been talking about. All right, sounds good. Okay, here's the thing. We've got a couple of political things I wanted to do. And the first thing, this really intrigued me because I saw this on the Powerline blog. And, uh, and I wanted to kind of discuss this because I think it's fascinating that uh, – so it's kind of fascinating here, but I'm going to get to the – let me get to this piece right here. Uh, and and basically it comes down to um, – the piece basically says Democrats are trying to squeeze out Joe Biden. And so, Can you blame them? Not all Democrats. <laughs> I was going to say, but could you blame them? I mean, if you look at his yeah. numbers, um, <clears throat> like nobody's going to be running with him. And you can see that uh, people are basically ducking for cover when they're asked if they want to have him campaign for them or, you know, help them out. And, um, you know, if he if he can raise some money from somebody and then send him a check, they'll probably take it. But I don't think invoking his name is going to help very much because he has historically horrible numbers and uh it's yeah. hard you know it's yeah it's just it's just there's no way that that's going to be helpful i mean yeah. I, the question would be is can he rebound between now and november and i would argue that he has maybe another month uh, where he could theoretically if he could turn things around within the next month he could maybe uh, help recover things but you know if things start to recover in in october it's a little too too late. People will have been, just historically speaking, um, <clears throat> the economy picking up at the last second doesn't really change many minds because they're just kind of going, you know, this guy's not getting the job done, and I'm kind of I've had it. Well, at that and point, so, it's hard. I mean, it's hard to really know. At that point, and yeah, at that point. So I, uh, Larry, your thoughts? I mean. It's because here's okay. Here's the title of the story: Pencil Movement to Dump Biden Taking Shape. Now this is like the Democrats, and you're reading things like, okay, this is from, you know, you know Ron Brown. You know uh, Stephen Haywood wrote the piece, but he noticed that okay, like one headline is Biden a man out of town, kind of going with what George has talked about, you know. And uh, the other aspect is is that. Uh, I mean, and I thought this was kind of interesting because they have a long. Okay, here's the other one. Uh, you have political running a long piece about what a terrible press secretary, Karine Jean Perry, is turning out to be. Uh, of course, I love this line. The guy says, "My own theory is she was picked just to make Kamala Harris look good by comparison." <laughs> Ouch! 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 Yeah. So I guess the question I'm going to throw back to you is, okay, Larry, you've been around for, you know, like us, you've been around politically a long time. First of all, number one, how do you get rid of a sitting president? 
even one as bad as this guy is. Well, you ignore him. You know, yeah. if you're talking about if you're talking about running for an office and you want to get uh, elected, but you uh, think that the head of your party is not going to help you, uh, you don't invite him to uh, campaign for you, and you don't mention his name, and you don't uh, indicate that uh, yeah. that you're in the same boat as he is. Um, but I think that that there's a a lot of uh, friction in, in in the uh party because you've got you've got this this uh really uh excitable group uh that that want to uh have some something they it's not clear what but they want they want to do something to reinstate the uh right of women to have abortions uh, on demand uh, at any at any point in the I guess at any point in the in the uh, pregnancy or even after the pregnancy uh, and you, there is there is a a strand of people in that party that um, really I guess are really very strongly uh, uh, in favor of that and therefore they're against uh, a lot of the more traditional uh, Institutions like uh, like uh, state uh, governments and uh, and uh, the Supreme Court justices. Um, so, as long as Biden keeps listening to those people, he's going to keep on thinking that that uh, they represent the the uh, the hope of the party, and he's going to keep talking the way he does, even though you've got now on. I, I, if, if you've got uh, uh, the uh, Washington, the Washington Post uh, is speaking out and telling them that they're they're either liars or they really really don't understand fundamental uh, economic uh, system. Um, I mean, this guy is he can't he can't turn around, but he runs into trouble. Um, yeah. Well, but here, okay, here's the line I want to because you, you guys think because I really want to because we talk about you know, you know the media we're talking about the, okay you know the the division within the Republican Party against the quote unquote American firsters versus the more traditional blah 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 Republicans, but but here's the thing that comes into play is that okay again I'm going to go back to Ronald Brown's state. Yeah, it is that okay. Frustrated Democrats complained that Biden and other administration officials have failed in their initial reaction to reflect the urgency and anguish of abortion rights uh, supporters. Blah blah blah. And then they said that you know many Democrats since all these issues abortions included has been has been following and not leading. And, and basically. What it comes down to is, as uh, you know, Steve Haywood, who wrote the piece, said, you know, they want him to be more aggressively leftist and far-righty, which is the point, by the way, that uh, uh, Alexander Cortez has been saying for quite a long time. Namely, you haven't gone left enough. That's why you're in trouble. And on the other side, I got this, you know, and I, and I came across this story here. Let me see if I can find it. Uh but basically, a former – I love this – Carter uh, Secretary of Michael Blumenthal uh, you know, urges Biden to axe his, his economic agenda to fight inflation. In other words, should take painful steps to stop inflation, abandon any effort to revive, build back. Uh, better, and and just basically start acting, uh, you know, in a more centrist fashion. So I, it seems to me this, to me, is there's enough, you know, going on within the Democratic Party. Is do we keep going even further to the left, or hey, do we look at what's actually happening and understand we're losing those people that used to vote for us because we can't even get the economy going correctly and it's time to revise and just simply quit doing what we're doing and change for it. Your thoughts and I'll start with you, Dr. Larry. 
Well, um, uh, who knows? I mean, right now we got we've got a lot of uh, uh, we've got a lot of talk about the 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 idea that there's at least a million people that have left the uh, Democrat Party and become Republicans, and uh, I guess that's in through. Uh, uh, I don't think that's through uh, any ballots. I think that's a uh, something that's been de- determined by by uh, question vote registration. Yeah, yeah voter. I think it's voter registration. Yeah. So that's uh, so so, but I don't think anybody really knows. And and I you know it's it's I think that that the um, first of all. There's still time between now and November to yeah. to uh, for things something to happen, like for example, um, China attacking t- Taiwan, or uh, I mean, there's just any number of things that that could that could happen uh, between now and election day. Um, well, yeah, that's and, okay, yeah, that, you're absolutely and, right. But you you make a point. But let me ask you a question. Those are the things to me that would hurt Joe Biden, not help him. Uh, well, maybe. Well, who knows? Yeah. Who knows what could Yeah, happen. but I mean, that would be, to me, a failure of the foreign I mean, Supposing, I mean, you know, Reagan wasn't all that popular until he got shot. And then all of a sudden, it's because he uh, he responded so well and he cracked jokes and, and everybody kind of recognized the personality of the man, uh, he suddenly got very popular. And... Uh, I mean, it wasn't just political. It was uh, because they, they really have, people really admired him. Yeah. Uh, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, well, it could, I mean, yeah. could be anything. Okay, uh, your thoughts, George? Well, I think one of Biden's problems is the negative reaction people have is so strong. Like an example would be oftentimes people, the voters will rally around a president if America is at war. But I think this president's botched things enough that many people would view him as the reason for the war. Yeah. And they would look yeah. at Afghanistan they would look at Afghanistan and say he totally blew that. And so I, an example would be most people looked at what happened on 9/11 and didn't feel that George Bush caused that to happen. He was a brand new president and it was kind of out of the blue and you yeah. know etc. So I don't think he, so Americans probably rallied around him. But at this point, I think there's very little that can happen that will help him rebound because he's viewed as so ineffectual and so just ham-fisted. And, you know, even yesterday in his uh, 4th of July speech, it reminded me – I felt like I was listening to Jimmy Carter talk about malaise. Um, yeah. it, was, it was just a – I thought it was a travesty of a speech where he's blaming everyone else for America's problems when he told us – remember when he told us – you know how he was going to be, uh, uh, you know, an adult and, and take responsibility and all that. And it's like, what is he taking responsibility for? He blames everybody else. He doesn't take responsibility for anything. And so I feel like people have kind of had it. And I don't think he's. Americans are very willing to give you a little bit of a break. They're willing to say, you know, well, he's trying real hard, and you know, we'll. You know, we'll pull for them. But at some point, I think you lose them. And I think that's what's happened is he has lost the American public and they're just sick of it and tired of it. And they've had enough. And so I think it's going to be interesting to see uh, what might happen. But I'm having a hard time conceiving of world events that could somehow rally America around Joe Biden at this point. Yeah, but it always it always depends somewhat on uh, as opposed to what. You know, it depends on who's who's uh, the other the other option, and that that can that can be uh, uh, quite a so you know there could easily be some kind of a major um, well uh, take 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 the, uh, the the problems that the left is having with the Supreme Court, you know, and they're going after now they're going after. Uh, uh, Justice Thomas, um, and uh, and I mean uh, really going after him, and supposing that yeah. that something like that happened for uh, an American, um, I mean a senator or 
or one of the leaders of the Republican Party, um, you know, then they, they people there's sort of two degrees of that. People look at what's what's going on, uh, what the opposition is, and they say, well, you know, I don't like my man, but I don't like the other guy even more, so I'm still going to go with my man. And then the, the next the next version of it is, oh man, I don't like my man. And I like the other guy better, so I'm going to go with him. And and that that's kind of where we are right now. And that may, as you say, George, it, it certainly looks like that's the way it's going to be uh, all the way through November. But yeah, hold on there. You yeah. never know. Hold on, yeah, hold on that thought. We're going to be right back in this time. Donaldson, Donaldson Files. You can listen to this show every day on the Bachelor News radio uh, network on the bachelornews.airtime.pro. Bachelornews.airtime.pro. Listen to the show every day between 11 a.m. and 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we'll be right back. Napa know-how. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolored paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa Know How. Napa Know How. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, you can buy my book, America at the Abyss, Will America Survive, at these following locations BarnesandNoble.com, Amazon.com, and Liberty Hill Publishing Press.com, uh, which is associated with Salem Media. You can also. Uh, don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, the Frontier of Freedom is the leading advocates for the uh, for the to defend freedom and liberty of the United States, both home and abroad. Uh, started by the late Senator Malcolm Wallace, and now led by President George Landreth. And George wants to tell everybody how you can donate to the Frontiers of Freedom. It's really easy. Just go to ff.org, ff.org. That's two Fs like Frontiers Freedom. And uh, <clears throat> hit the donate button in the upper right-hand corner. And that's a secure uh, module so that you don't have to worry about your information. It's all encrypted, so nobody can intercept your credit card information. It's going to be all safe. And and uh, we, of course, will be very proud to uh, receive your support, and we can promise you that it will be used to advance <clears throat> the cause of liberty and make sure that the idea that uh, America was that America was founded on the things we celebrated yesterday are uh, are advocated in advance. Okay. Sounds great. All right, let's uh kind of follow up with, I mean here's the thing on the abortion issue to me. I think it's fascinating because uh you know I thought there was you know there've been some you know some interesting polling here and and I just think, to me, when you look at this issue, there's a lot of nuances that comes into play here that you can't just simply ignore. And in those nuances, and this is, uh, I mean, here's a good piece: polling of abortion continues to make absolutely no sense. Okay, now this is done from the Harvard Harris poll, which is hardly a left-wing poll. And they go, okay, the majority of Americans say, okay. Overturning will be weighed. Uh, they oppose it by 55 to 45 percent. But here's the thing: 37 percent of this poll would ban abortion entirely, with if you include the exception with only rape and incest exceptions. 49 percent support a ban after six weeks. 72 uh, percent a ban after 15 weeks, which basically means throughout every four Americans. You know, basically are saying, in effect, you know, up to 15 weeks, we think abortion should be banned, even though we will support exceptions to that. And, and so there's a lot you know, to me. And, and by the way, Trafalgar, which is another pollster, basically found similar data. When you start looking at the numbers, what it comes down to, maybe 10 to 15 percent will say, unlimited right to an abortion, which is the Democratic Party position today. And and my question, I'm going to throw it back to you, and I'll start with you, George, is you know, when people truly understand the nuance, what's actually being debated, 
it's not a sure thing that this is a great, great uh, uh, weapon for the Democrats to use. I agree. The more the public knows, the less they're going to be troubled by the uh, Dobbs decision. Most of the people who oppose the Dobbs decision think that the Supreme Court declared that all abortions are now unconstitutional and illegal. And, uh, you know, but like you described, and you're accurate on that, is that many Americans think they're pro-choice because they believe a woman should have the right to choose an abortion if she's been raped or, or the victim of incest, which is also another form of rape. So rape and rape, right? Um, yeah. The bottom line is they are um, – that's actually the position of the national right to life and uh, not the position of the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party made it clear what their position was because they voted on it less than a month ago, and, that, and it failed by one vote. And every single Democrat in the Senate except for one voted for it to give you an idea how universally they agree, and that was – Abortion at any time for any reason throughout the entire time. Literally, if, while the baby's being delivered, you can still abort it. And, that, and then, of course, you have the governor of Virginia who p- posited that uh, after the baby is born, you could still abort it. I'm not quite sure how, what, what he thinks the word abortion means, but, but that was what he said. Well, I'm not putting words yeah. in his mouth. That's what he okay, said. Yeah. But there's the word. It's right. It's called infanticide. Right. <laughs> so, and I remember years ago with partial birth abortions, when in the '90s when that was a big issue, uh, when people were starting looking at that, it was like, I think the late Senator Daniel Monahan said, "You know, you know, I'm pro-choice, but boy, that sounds like a whole lot of infanticide to me." <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, George. I mean, you okay, go. Larry, your your point. Larry, what's your stuff? Well, I think um, I think the whole problem is um, it, it, your, your your position on it. It depends a lot on whether on how you see, how you phrase the problem. You know, if you phrase it in moral terms, and you say the baby is there, and we're we're uh, as a as a uh, country, we are. Uh, our government is has to protect their rights as citizens uh, to uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. A lot of people will back off, and they will say, "Well, yeah, you know, that makes a lot. That's pretty sense." Particularly when, as uh, one of the uh, people talking about it said, you can see their hands, the, the baby's hands, and their feet, and their and their face, and and you see that in the uh, in the images that that are now available. Uh, but then you can also look at it from the point of view of, um, of the, of the women who are, uh, making a lot of the, uh, the statements, um, uh, and, and, and they're, they're older women. They're like, uh, Nancy Pelosi and, and, uh, some of the others, you know, they're, they're thinking of the way things were, back when they were coming up, like back in the 50s, in the 60s. And things have changed a lot since then as far as women's uh, equal pay and, equal, and the women's rights of uh, uh, in the, in the, in the uh, workplace and uh, equal treatment under the law and under the uh, uh, rules of the, uh, of the organization and so on. Uh, so, and and those people are talking about really from a, an emotional point of view. They're not really thinking so much of the moral um, or even the social implications. And it, that that's part of really what makes things so so uh, kind of complicated to, to 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 talk about. And it's why we we have to get some kind of common frame of reference. So that uh, you know we can talk we can talk uh, reasonably about this thing, and we haven't done that yet, and I think that's why it's advantage uh, to go out to our fifty uh, experiments in democracy uh, called states and let uh, let the people talk it talk it through and see if they can come up with something. Yeah, well, I just think me too because like you said, I mean the I mean you you know George kind of nailed it on the head. I mean. T- 
there are too many people who think they can eliminate roadmap and you know eliminating roadmap elimination abortions, and that certainly was not what's stated in you know the decision. I mean, I mean basically the last phrase, if I'm not mistaken, says, "Hey, this is back to the states." <laughs> uh, and so, and I think quite honestly, it's going to be you know you know state by state by state by state on this, and I think that. Uh, but I don't think the political impact is going to be such that, uh, you know, I, I just don't see in the end if it makes a difference. And certainly when you look in the past elections, uh, in Virginia is a good example last year, those people who voted, who said abortion was their number one issue, voted for the Republican by a three to two margin. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> right. Yeah. And I think also, let's go ahead, Larry. No, it's just interesting. I didn't hadn't heard that. Yeah, yeah that's that actually tends to uh, be the case in general. I mean, I think that the Virginia uh, election is the most recent to show that, but I I don't think it was the first time. I think that's generally a um, yeah. a fair statement. And uh, the other thing that I think is important to recognize is. Going into an election, while maybe the, uh, you know, the 12 or 15 percent of the people who think that it's super important for a woman to be able to, to abort her child at any time for any reason, all the way up till birth, even the middle of birth, um, they they might be motivated to go out and vote because of this decision. But for the average American, what's going to motivate them is is expensive gasoline, empty grocery shelves. Questions about the GDP having collapsed and being at zero in terms of its growth, um, you know, those kinds of things, because they face that every day. Every time you fill up your tank, you're reminded uh, of these things. Every time you go to the grocery store and see empty shelves and are paying a lot more for um, the things you used to be able to afford, um, you know, it's hard to escape that is my point. The average American is not spending all of their time, however, not reminded daily about precisely what the abortion law is. And so I just don't see that as the key issue in November. It might be for a small percentage of voters, but most voters are going to be worried about how do I pay my bills? How do I fill my tank? Uh, you know, what's, going to, what's happening in my 401k? The stock market's been in collapse. Uh, my, you know, my earnings now are less than they were last year because of inflation. Those are the issues that are going to really zero in and make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. Yeah, well, like I said, we'll find that out very sh- uh, shortly yeah. as well. We'll know I, in early November. Yeah. Now, here's the other thing I want to kind of talk about, because I just wrote a piece on this on Substack, uh, um, you can, which you can get Tom Donaldson, com, and you can read uh, some of our more brilliant pieces. Myself and Dr. Larry write for this quite a bit uh, on this site. But I asked the question. You know, Donald Trump pro and con. I guess maybe it's too early to be talking about, you know, 2024. But there is a rumor that, you know, Trump might even decide to announce before the, uh, the midterms, which I would think would be a mistake, but they're too early. But the question to me is, I think there's a lot of pros and there's a lot of cons of this. Uh, I mean, the pro side basically is uh, – you know, he's got accomplishments. He looks good compared to Joe Biden. Uh, but you also got the negative side of the equation. And I know that, you know, Dr. Larry, you've used the word ambivalent is how you feel. And I, I don't think I've asked this question of you yet, uh, George, but we're going to talk about this after this break. This is Tom Donaldson of Donaldson Files here at the Bachelor News Radio Network. And listen to the show NDV Day at 11 and 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, you can uh, bachelornews.airtime.pro, bachelornews.airtime.pro. 
Since Buffalo Wild Wings is always open late, here are a few things you'll enjoy. Buzzer beaters, wings in 21 signature sauces and seasonings, and great deals on food and beer. Grab select domestic draft beers starting at $4. $4 shareables like street tacos, fried pickles, chili queso dip, mozzarella sticks, and roasted garlic mushrooms, and deals on select liquor and house cocktails. Phew, that's a mouthful. Catch all of the late night action. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. Offers and participation vary. Please drink responsibly. Void where prohibited. Uh, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to the Donaldson Files here on the Bastion News Radio Network. Uh, you can buy my book, America the Abyss, or American Survive, uh, on barnesandnoble.com, amazon.com, and also libertyhillpublishingpress.com, which is associated with Salem Media. And you can also donate to one of the leading think tanks for the defense of freedom and conservative values and ideas, started by the late uh, Martin Wallop, Malcolm Wallop, pardon me, and now run by the great George Landreth. And George is going to tell people how you can donate to the Frontier Freedom. Just go to ff.org, ff.org, and there's a donate button in the upper right-hand corner, and it's uh, as simple as that. All right, sounds good. All right, before we go to the question that I asked the both of you, uh, there's some additional data here. Again, this comes from the Harvard-Harris poll, and it basically says – I mean this is what a – Leo O'Malley, who is a reporter, as I understand it, to make it – and uh, he made some pretty – yeah, okay, he's from Wheaton College, is a, a law student, interest in law, and he tweeted this. He said, look, 44% in this poll said it's better for this – 31% says Congress – Twenty-five percent says this, this, this the um, got, you know, the uh, Supreme Court, and he also noted again. It goes back to it that in this particular poll, people who are going to vote based on this issue are split between Republicans and Democrats, which basically means this is kind of a wash. It doesn't help, and it goes back to the original point you made, George. In the end. Uh, they're going to look at their pocketbook and say, well, my dollar is not worth as much as it used to. But now let's go back to the aspect of should Trump run in 2024? And I'll start with you, George. What's your well, view? Um, yeah. No, I think that's a very good question. And I think um, it's a complicated question for this reason. I'd be very happy uh, with a second term for Donald Trump. I voted for him, for example, in 2020 because I wanted a second term. The question would be at this point would be, as I see it, is not just who wins in 2024, but who's going to win in 2028 and beyond. And I think um, while Donald Trump's presidency and the policies he put in place I thought were remarkably successful and positive, I think that he politically uh, made himself very polarizing. Of course, the press helped in that, but but he – was a willing accomplice, unfortunately. And so the, the question would be, in 2028, well, I think he wins in 2024 if he runs, what happens in 2028? Does, the, does he kind of slowly antagonize some of these voters who have been run off the, the uh, Democratic farm, so to speak, uh, or plantation, and, and come does he push them back towards them because he annoys them and so forth? So I, I, my, I guess what I'd want is I want those policies in place, and I'd want that kind of a president. I'd also like to have somebody that maybe has a little more judgment as to uh, exactly how to interface with the public on a daily basis and not think that he's winning hearts and minds every single time he uh, you know, starts uh, you know, just – you know, calling people names or yeah, I think I think you need somebody. One of the things I liked about Ronald Reagan was he had a way of dealing with people so that they um, he could stand up for what he believed in. But if he was going to say something cutting or biting, he kind of sat with a smile on his face somehow, and as a result, it came across a little differently, and it didn't quite hit the same. Uh, it didn't come across as mean spirited. It came across as kind of clever and funny. Uh, okay, Larry. Well, I I think that the place that 
is already assured in history for uh, Donald Trump is that he showed us how you should be governing in a uh, in in this day and age, and it, he he invented really a different way of going about being a president and being in, in effect a, a, a politician. Um, yeah, amen. That's he definitely. And, I think that's and, a very good point. And I think that's his. I think it's no. There is no question in my mind that that is uh, is a valuable and and usable and useful uh, accomplishment of him. Um, the the next question though is um, is he the best person for this country uh, in the years in the coming years and. Um, I think that he has the opportunity to um, do two things. Uh, one is that he can um, advocate and uh, and popular continue to popularize his uh, views of uh, of how the country ought to ought to uh, run, be run. It should all the things that that we believe in. Uh, less uh, regulation, more uh, freedom, uh, uh, less government, lower taxes, and so on. Uh, and, 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 and in addition to that, the uh, importance of uh, the uh, uh, revolution that he really uh, engineered in foreign policy. He's the one that, that told us that, that China was a problem. Nobody else oh, is yeah. ever t- saying that, and mm-hmm. he's the one that uh, pointed out that you should be able to talk to and and uh, have uh, relationships with even with your enemies, and that uh, like Reagan, he uh, was uh, uh, he, cu- he cultivated uh, relationships with people that he uh, that he fundamentally disagreed with. And yet he was able to uh, to uh, make certain points that were significant, and, and namely that uh, they left us alone. They they, they were convinced that uh, that they should not uh, mess around with uh, the kind of uh, uh, problems that uh, that uh, that were possible. And I think the the, the the really two major examples of that are uh, North Korea and uh, the Abraham Accords. Uh, those were almost uh, no, nobody would have even thought that possible until he came along and actually did it. Uh, and he had a lot of opposition because a lot of people that that thought that uh, that he shouldn't try to do those things. And of course, uh, as far as I think history will show, he was right. Uh, and they were wrong, and of course, they, some of them still can't uh, accept that. Uh, I was just reading uh, something about uh, Mitt Romney, and he's he's all against Trump because he thinks Trump's so divisive. Um, so anyway, that yeah, well, I, I think Mitt all of Romney those things is are true. Such a train wreck himself. It's like yeah. good grief. Yeah, uh, yeah so I, I, I'm just I think all those things is... are true. But then on the other hand, uh, it's not has, like Joe. Yeah, it's not like Joe Biden is a Mr. Unifying. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's shows, for sure. He shows. Um, he also shows, though, that um, he's going to have to mature um, in in this in this interim between now and and 24 if he if he wants to really unify the country. He has got to stop talking about what happened in in the last election and start concentrating on the future. He's got to stop. Uh, trying to make all of the uh, people um, that uh, he doesn't uh, agree with uh, look like bad people, bad guys. And, and uh, you know, he, he, he's just got to get a little more more Irish. And, uh, and I don't think he's going to do that. And I think that's going to be a major tragedy. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, here's the I, – I agree with you because here's the problem I run into is this. Is that, I mean – is that there are things we, I, and I think that, you know, there are, you know, Mr. Schatzelinter, 
uh, Kurt Schechtler, writes for Town Hall, has written several books. He was a big Trump supporter, and, and basically he did a piece called Pros and Cons of Donald, which is what I based my piece on. And I'm not, you know, he doesn't come out and say one way or the other, but he says uh, that we need to push this guy and not make this a coronation. And this is the biggest thing I have, biggest fear I have, is that we're going to make this a coordination when, in fact, there's a lot of tough questions he needs to be answering. Uh, and for example, you know, we talk about the you know, election security issues. Uh, two things he brought up. Number one, he, was, you know, he had the opportunity to do something about this in the 2020 election when it became self-evident things were going, you know, what was going to start happening. You know, his staff was not prepared. And I can tell you, because I've talked to enough people who were involved in some of these battles, you know, both before and after the election, would tell me repeatedly, we weren't prepared. You know, you know we were always outgunned. And this is something that was on his plate. He can complain about it. And number two, and this also bothers me, and I'm going to throw this out to both of you, is, you know, we had a lot of money raised on Stop the Steal. How many? How much of that money actually went to campaigning for election security? I don't know, but I surely didn't see a lot of those organization groups out in the ground, you know, in the, you know, on the ground, doing anything about it. But I do know a lot of different groups and a lot of different donors who have basically made a commitment to that and been successful in those areas. Uh, and so those are things, you know, um, those are just two things. You know, just the top of my head, I would say, you know, what did you do with all this money? And that was coming through, or what happened to all this money? And number two, what did you do yourself or your groups to deal with election security? What actions did you actually take? And find why did you do anything about it to begin with? I'll start with you, George. Well, I think that's a good point. It's, it was frustrating that this happened because, like you said, it was uh, pretty predictable. People were talking about it, and yet nothing was really done. Right. And nothing was really done. And one of the problems, of course, when you wait until after the election to challenge certain things, because a number of things were done early on that were actually illegal, where, you know, states did things that violated terms of the Constitution. And uh, I think the time to bring that case is the moment it happens – because it's a little bit like throwing the red flag out on a football field when the game's over because you didn't like a call in the second quarter. And you may be right about the call in the second quarter, but you can't, you can't litigate that um, after the game is over because no referee wants to overturn the outcome of a game at that point. I'm not defending the court because I thought the court actually was fairly yeah. uh, feckless, but I do understand that politically that, that's a heavy lift for them. They're not very political generally, and they'd like not to be, and you're basically putting them in a position where they almost have to be. So in my view, something should have been done earlier, and it should have been more robust. I was also frustrated because we never got past, even in post-election, just rhetoric about the steal. And, you know, two years later or a year and a half later, Dinesh D'Souza uh, puts a movie out and you know puts the data out on there and, and put, lets people know kind of here's some facts, and other people have done that. But I'm trying to figure out why couldn't that team have done that early on? That was needed. You can't just walk around kind of saying you know the the steal happened, the steal happened. You need to prove it. And I think they could have, they just didn't. Well, the the thing is, yeah, I absolutely agree because there's no doubt in my mind there was a lot of voter irregularity as you can see. You know, whether or not you can prove positively that it impacted the election or that Biden would have lost, that's a totally different question. It will be difficult to prove after the fact. That's just the reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just reality. But there were things, and I just think, you know, to me, this is just one aspect. I don't want to, that we have to start asking. You know, if you're going to be president, you got to answer these questions. There are a lot of others out there who are kind of lacking. Mm-hmm. We're kind of running low on time, so this uh, discussion we have to continue because I think, quite frankly, Republicans have to ask tough questions of all of their candidates on a wide variety of issues and figure out which one is going to be the best to lead the Trump coalition, if it's Trump or is it time to move on to somebody else. 
so I'm going to leave it right there. I want to thank uh, Dr. Larry for being on the show. I want to thank uh, Dr. George, I mean, Mr. George Landra. You know, I keep wanting to make you a, a professor and a doctor. Yeah. Yeah. But, well, you know, I talk constitutional law, so it's okay. Yeah, so this is Tom Donaldson saying goodnight from the Donaldson Files. This man is a doctor, this man is a doctor.